glad that you're here and welcome online. Uh, we are delighted to be heading into spring and heading into post-COVID as so many are getting their vaccines and the world is changing again for us where we're hopefully going to go back and this will be a distant memory pretty soon. Um, as I look back at uh, my season in ministry, one of those that had a pretty big impact on me was uh, a time of mission when I was doing youth ministry, uh, we would do ministry with a church in Costa Rica, and they would come up and be with, with us for a week in ministry and co-ministers, and then we would go down to Costa Rica and spend 10 days with them or something like that. And uh, we had this young girl, Ana Gabriela, stayed with us, and uh, it was a blast. I mean, we took her out. I had, I had an F-250, a new F-250 at the time, and the day they landed, there was this uh, big snow, four or five inches, and I went out in the church parking lot. I had these, I had four or five little Ticos sitting in the back, which they call Costa Ricans, and I am cutting cookies out in the parking lot with an F-250. They haven't seen snow before in person, and now I've got them, you know, they're just big eyes, and uh, took them sledding. Uh, we just had a blast. Um, the funniest thing was taking them, we had a, we had a hot tub, and uh, leaving, getting them to leave in their swimsuits and step into the snow and head to the hot tub was one of the funniest scenes I've ever been a part of. I, they, they were just freaking. You want me in this garb to go out into that snow and then get into the hot water? It was, uh, there was one place where Isaac, Isaac had one foot in the snow and one foot in the tub, and it's like hurting both ways, and he doesn't know what to do. So I wish I had that on camera. Um, that was a, uh, it was a cool season to be able to partner with them, uh, but then two years later, uh, the real cool moment for me to go down to Costa Rica and spend my time in Gabby's house, in Ana Gabriela's house. And, um, you know, when she came up here, there were ways that I gave to her. There were, like, at one point she lost her purse, and, uh, and I remember I asked her what did she lose, and she said $400. Um, is what she said, and I don't know if she meant pesos or dollars, but I pulled up to a cash station machine, I put my card in, I pulled $400 out, and I handed it to her. And you talk about big eyes. She's like, America, you know? <laughs> you go buy machines and they just give you money. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, to see how I gave really made very little impact on me. I didn't risk not being able to pay my mortgage. I didn't risk not being able to, it didn't change my world that much. Um, it cost a bit, you know, we didn't have, we had to shuffle some things around. I go down to Costa Rica and, and there's one bed, there's a bed that the parents sleep in and uh, they left that bed and slept on the floor outside of my room and I slept in their bed. And it wasn't at all like my, my house. Their house was much more modest. They didn't have a TV at all. They didn't have games. They didn't, they, you know, everybody's drinking coffee. That's the thing. If you could hold a cup, you could drink coffee, and everybody drank coffee. Uh, but they found, she found out, the mom that we were staying with, Gabby's mom, found out what our favorite meals were. I said lasagna. My, I, we had no idea why they were asking. I said lasagna. My daughter, who was staying with us, said uh, chicken Kiev, which is butter inside of chicken. 
She figured out how to make our favorite meals and spent the money and made them for us. I mean, I, I couldn't give the bed back. I just felt like they gave to me in ways that I couldn't return because it wasn't, I'm, I don't have the meager means. There's no way I could match the way that they gave. And I look at it from heaven's perspective and I say, well, even, even the way that they, they gave as a church, when we showed up to their church service, it was like the whole church service they celebrated that we were there. The whole, they did half in English and half in Spanish. They would sing songs to make us comfortable. And I remember them coming to our church service, and it was an honorary mention. And then we went about our business. And I thought, we haven't given the way that they've given. What would it be from God's perspective? As we look at this passage of Scripture today, um, there is an economy that's different than ours. The one that's ours, we honor people according to a certain group of codes, and you know, we honor people that are wealthy, we honor people that drive nice cars, we honor people that are in charge, we honor people that have gifts, relational gifts, emotional gifts, we honor the pretty, we honor the talented. God isn't honoring people the same way that we might. And we'll see as we look at this passage that it's, Incumbent upon the church to honor people the way God does. To recognize people's value based on God's perspective. So we're not looking at many verses today. We're in Luke 21, verses 1 to 4. And we're just going to have two points this morning. Luke 21, verses 1 to 4. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would... Show us how much you love all of us this morning. And I pray that we would gain your value system of people, that we would see people that others don't see and fight for people that others don't fight for. And we would be a church that mirrors and reflects your love for people. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at a passage that speaks of giving from God's perspective. And if you've read this passage before like I have, maybe you come into it with some assumptions that, you know, maybe what God wants is for us all to be poor and all to give everything that we have and all to be reliant on others, which I don't think is the right perspective. We're going to see God's giving from God's perspective in these first two Verses we see Jesus witnessing two types of givers. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. What does it mean that he looked up? Well, Jesus is in the middle of his temple teaching. He is on the temple mount the week that he's going to give his life. And it's in this context of conflict with the religious leaders that he speaks this 
He points this out. He's not, it's not in a vacuum where he's just talking about giving as if all things was equals. This is in the middle of the wealthy and the scribes and the Pharisees are looking down on Jesus and judging Jesus because he's not fitting into the economy that is there in Jerusalem in the first century. Spiritually speaking, morally speaking, religiously speaking, financially speaking, there's a good thing going on in Jerusalem that is paying certain people and really rewarding certain people so that they have plenty. And then there are others that are on the outside looking in and they aren't rewarded and they aren't getting the benefits of this. And it's in that context that Jesus says to his disciples, do you see that this is wrong? Can you see that? That's what he's looking up from, from this conflict. Actually, what happens right before this in Luke 20, 45 to 47, it says, In the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers they will receive the greater condemnation. That's what happens right before Jesus looks up and says, look at how people are giving. Look at what's going on here. And there's a, a lot to examine in this one moment. But I imagine that the scribes and the Pharisees, the people in charge would have said, how in the world are we devouring widows' houses? How are we dishonoring the poor? How are we doing that, God? I mean, I haven't gone and stolen anybody's house. Maybe they might say. But there's an expectation that we're going to see from God's word that God's people will reflect God's heart and value people the way that he does and fight for people the way that he does. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. Well, how did he know the rich were putting their gifts in the offering box? How do you imagine the rich were putting their money in the offering box? How is it common knowledge? Now, Jesus can know things without everybody seeing it, so there's, it's not like he needs to be shown it, but there's a level here where... They're on display, he's just talked about that, that they love this position of power, they love this position in the marketplaces. The offering boxes, they were 13 horn-shaped receptacles in the outer court, horn-shaped because, and it got bigger on the bottom so that they, people couldn't steal from them. More than likely, somebody would have been watching the offering box. And you can imagine how someone watching the offering box would have been as the rich person's coming forward. Rich person's coming forward. Do you treat that person differently than the poor person? Did they? So here comes the rich person. Hello, Mr. So-and-so. I'm so glad you're here. Really a great day today. You doing okay? Really no different from the world around us in how they're being treated. Everybody's kind of kissing up to that person. Now imagine the poor person coming in. Maybe he takes a step closer to make sure that she doesn't steal. 
I mean, how can, how can she help our situation? She's going to hurt our situation probably. Here comes another person to drain us. Where's the greeting? Where's the respect? Where's the adulation? He saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two copper coins. And what does that mean, two copper coins? Well, that's the smallest denomination available at the time. It was 132nd of a denarii, which means it was 132nd of a day's work. So she had two coins, and it's everything she had. These two pennies. And she gave it. And, and who notices? Not that they should. It's not like we should treat anybody differently if they're giving money one way or the other. We shouldn't be applauding someone who can give a ton, and we certainly shouldn't be degrading someone who can't give. At the level that we would want to be influenced. I also want you to remember that before this occasion, within two days beforehand or so, Jesus had cleansed the temple. As he stands on the temple, he's talking about something that is really broken, religiously speaking. This is what it says in Luke 19. He's just come in through the gates, and he goes and he cleanses the temple, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. He is standing there, and people are hanging on his words, but he had to drive out people that are making money on a temple mount, and again, not only rewarding the wealthy, they're going to be the most prominent. They're going to be the ones that God notices. Certainly we're applauding them, then God is applauding them. But also, the religious people are getting rich. Off of who? Off of their best customers. Who are their best customers? The ones who have money. Why is Jesus frustrated with this? Why is Jesus pointing this out? Because this is not God's economy at all. God's economy is that every life matters. And every person matters. Poor, the rich, the old, the young, the sick, the special needs. Every one of them God sees and values and he expects that his people will value people the same way. That we won't give special honor to the wealthy over the poor. that we won't give special honor over middle-aged, over young and old. We won't give special honor to men over women. That we would honor every individual as if they were a child of God or a potential child of God. So Jesus, in this context, is pointing out as he's looking at this and he witnesses these two types of givers The expectation is before he even makes a statement that people know the heart of God. Well, how would they know that? 
from the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 27, 19, it says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, to the fatherless, and the widow. And all the people shall say amen. In Exodus 22, 22 to 24, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. God will defend. Isaiah 10, 1 to 4, woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees and the writers who keep writing oppression to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right, that widows may be their spoil and that they make the fatherless their prey. How is it that this generation is robbing widows if they're not going into their homes and stealing their money? They're robbing widows because the money that was given to the church was supposed to fight for the poor. The temple at that time. I'm speaking to us now. Our job is to fight for the poor, is to fight for the widows, is to, when we're here and when we're in community, in this community, we honor everyone. I'm going to give some more examples as it goes on of how people are honored differently, but when I was in Costa Rica, they treated me like I was something special. And in a way, that's, that's wrong already. But I watched how they honored us in their, in their church congregation when we would go into their schools. And then I watched when they came to our church, when, they came, when we went to our schools. It wasn't that we, they were our honored guests. It's that we were doing them a favor. And if you, I could feel it. They had to feel it too. We're the wealthy Americans. We're the wealthy Christians. And there's the subtle degrading of people that the church should never be part of. We should honor everyone. How were they robbing from widows? Here's this widow coming into the temple and no one's noticing her and she's being disregarded and she's not being cared for and she's giving to support the wealthy. And there was no support given to her. God help us if that's what we do. They robbed from the widows because that was God's money and God's money would fight for the poor. Jesus witnesses two types of givers, this wealthy who is getting acclaim and the poor who is getting nothing. And now he weighs those two types of givers. In verses 3 and 4 it says, And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. I think it would be wrong for us to interpret that God wants us to all be impoverished and give all that we have. We have a mandate from Scripture to care for our own and to, be, and to provide for our own. That's not necessarily Jesus' point here. But he is telling us that from heaven's perspective, he looks differently than we do. 
When I think back of what happened in Costa Rica, I want God to honor them more than me. I want God to bless. I mean, they gave up their bed for me. They gave me the best food they could come up with when they couldn't afford it. They gave in ways that I can't even give. And I look at that and say, yes, Lord, I, as I look at this passage, I am thankful that you think differently than we do. I'm thankful that you honor people according to your plan, not according to our plan. So Jesus says of this widow, first notice that he's noticing her. He sees her. And he values her gift above all. Now, I'll say as a guy who had to, was planning a church, I had to learn the business of church planting. This is bad business. It's bad business. I mean, what can you do with two pennies? It's bad business. I mean, you want to, if you want good business, you want to, like, have people around you that are going to invest in what you're doing so that you can pay the bills and so you can... So what we have to do is honor those people and make sure that those people feel great so that they'll give money so that we have... What's flawed there? What's flawed there is the theology that God will provide everything that you need. And he's watching how you treat people. Ultimately, it comes from God. And God help us if we as a church dishonor the poor, dishonor the widows, dishonor orphans, dishonor special needs kids. This should be a place that does not act like the rest of the world around us. There is nowhere that the scriptures promote giving until you're destitute. I think the judgment here is that the church, the temple, right then, should have been fighting for that woman. Should have been giving to her. Should have been caring for her. Should have been honoring her. It would be a shame if God showed up, Jesus showed up one day to our service and said he had to be the one who pointed out the suffering, the lonely, the hurt. In America, we have a terrible bad habit of disposing of people and dishonoring people that we think are not producers. We have very little respect for the elderly. We have little respect for the out of work. Americans applaud those who produce. And in the church, we fight for everyone. We're Christian. Jesus is saying that this woman, from heaven's perspective, this widow, is the one who has produced the most reward in heaven. Now, that's in the context of these others who are making money out of the system and giving money for their own acclaim. 
I do not think that the application here is to dishonor the wealthy or to dishonor that they have a gift of giving. Or I don't think that's it at all. I think they can't be honored more than our poor. We can't serve them more than we... I mean, in some ways, in the church, we fight for the poor more. We honor them more here. So how do we apply this? It's not just simply about giving. It's about how we honor people. And we honor people... I mean, I've been an American. We honor people that are gifted. We honor people that are pretty. We honor people that are popular. We honor people that are socially adept. We honor people that have money. We honor people that do well in school, to do well in their work. The ultra-gifted, we honor them. And then there's a parade of people, since junior high, there's a parade of people around you that are average or below average that get missed. One of my kids got into junior high. She had cared for a kid that was hurting and the family was falling apart all summer long. Had her over to our house all summer long. As soon as school started, that kid traded up for more popularity than my kid. That's human. It's not Christian. We're not trading up. We're not walking away from people. We're loyal. We're faithful. We fight for those. We fight for each other, and we honor those who aren't honored other places even more so that they know that they're loved by God. It is our great privilege as a family to care about each other and fight for each other. So what's the first application? How shall we respond to something like this? Maybe you're discouraged because you've given and you aren't giving to the place where it hurts. That's Here's our first application. Invest in and honor both the movers and the shakers and the elderly, the young, the widows, the poor, and special needs. See people around you. See the hurting. See the lonely. And fight for them. From a, from a Costa Rican experience perspective, I can never think of myself as more valuable than my friends in Costa Rica. Even though I had this passport that could get me out of Costa Rica and back to America and a machine that pays me money when I put a card. An experience that they know nothing about. That doesn't mean I'm more valuable than them. In fact, God bless them and honor them. Honor moms and dads who serve God faithfully at home. I think that is one of the hardest jobs and a job that comes with dishonor to a degree. When the kids are young, they look at their parents like they're great, but I remember coming home as a dad and my kids would be like, dad's home, dad's home. Mom's been there all day, working all day, but all of a sudden it's like a big party because dad's there. Who did all the work all day? Mom did. Honor mom. 
Honor, honor the parent that's at home who's carrying the load. Because you know what happens when they get to junior high? They no longer even respect her. For the most part, kids are looking at their parents like they're a lot stupider than they were two years earlier. It's not the kind of job that makes you feel good and warm while you're raising kids. It can be a job that feels like you give your whole heart, and then when you give your whole heart, they stomp on it a little bit. Are we going to fight for moms here? I hope so. Parents? What about single parents? What about right now in COVID? How, how are people suffering right now? Do we see them? Do we honor them? Do we love them? I think about the staff and the elders, and I've often through the years told you how thankful I am for our staff and how thankful I am for the elders. But for a guy that's been married and seen my wife keep things at home going while I'm off at the meeting, whatever that meeting is, people that look at like Todd's the guy that's doing something, but my wife was at home making sure that everything was put together and everything was okay while I'm off making decisions about the church. We need to honor our spouses. From a staff perspective, I don't know if you know this, but every one of our staff has a spouse that is invested in our church and is caring for our church and serves. How often do we say thank you to them? The church that honors those equally, that means we see each other. We see what we're doing. We honor them. We give them grace and mercy and kindness and love and We did a video recently, Life I Didn't Choose. It was a long time, it was actually a while back, and I love that video. It had Mark Erickson and Kathy and, and Bill, and their life of raising some two boys with Duchenne dystrophy and the commitment that that's been for 40 years. That they've given 40 years of their life for faithfulness, of caring for their son, but then. Mark and Eric, Eric's now in heaven, but Mark and Eric, what about their life? How hard is that life? Christian boys, to be entrusted with watching your ability to walk go away, your ability to eat and to, be, to the point where you're on a ventilator, that, how do we honor them? Or do we even see them? Or do we even care? If I understand God's economy, that's, those are the people that are going to be rewarded in heaven. And I say hallelujah. And if we're following God's heart, we're honoring them here. We're noticing them here. We're fighting for them here. In this room, we have people who are lonely, so lonely and lost, having lost a spouse. We have elderly that have lived a life of serving God. And do we notice? Do we see them? Do we honor them? Our application is not to stop honoring. I mean, I, I have told so many people that I feel like I've got the best job as a pastor. I, I, preach to a church I love and a church that loves me 
and I feel like I'm being honored all the time. I feel so blessed and so thankful. The application is that not that we would stop honoring those, that we would honor everyone, and that we wouldn't value people based on what they give us or what we can get from them. We would honor people trusting that God is the one who ultimately provides, and he provides through all of us as a family, and everyone is essential. Essential to God and essential to us. Everyone matters. How do we respond? We love and honor and value people based on what God says. Which means we fight for the poor first. When they go out those doors, there are people that are going to be dishonored by family and friends and the world. And, but in here, when we're in a community, when we're together, when we gather together someplace else, we love because God loved us. The second application of this is to give. You know, giving in my thinking, comes in a couple of forms. From a church planter's perspective, you have some that give financially and some that give by serving. And you need both to have a healthy church. But I can never value people that give a ton more than people who can't give as much. Let's take a, let's take a, a, a specific I talked to one couple, and, and the, the wife, this is before we planted the church, the wife was caring for her mother who was ailing. And she could give so little. Is she somehow serving God less because she's serving her mother-in-law? Or her, her mother? I don't think that's God's economy at all. I think she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. And praise God for that. To me, that's serving God, and we should value that as much as the guy preaching up front. We can't just be asking, what do I get out of it? What can you do for me? We believe that God is the one who provides all that we need, and that we need each other, every one of you. So the second application is to continue to give. Give with a joyful heart. Give as unto the Lord. Don't give for acclaim. Don't give for rewards. Here at the church, I don't know what people give financially. But if you can give two pennies, whatever you give, make that between you and God and let it be praise. If you can give more than that, you give what you want to give to the Lord. But it would be wrong to come out of this passage and say that having an understanding that I'm giving to God, this is what the widow got with the two pennies. I have nothing left, but I am going to give to God knowing that God will take care of me. And she gave what she gave, and Jesus honored her, and we've been honoring her for the last 2,000 years. I can't wait to get to heaven to honor people that have been serving quietly. We have a care team at this church. I don't know if you know how hard they work. Nobody sees it. They just fight for people. 
a benevolence team. They care for people. There are ways that you're being kind and loving each other that no one sees, and praise God for that, because you're not doing it so that we see it. Let us be rich in good works towards each other. Let us look for ways to be kind and generous and caring. Let us fight for the lonely. Let's let's never agree with what's going on out there that says elderly people are somehow less valuable. Let's never say that. Let's never disregard special needs kids. Let's fight for them. If they make a little noise in our our worship center, who cares? I'm guessing before God, that's some of the most beautiful music that's produced on our Sunday morning. And never shun a mom because a kid makes noise. Don't make her feel bad. Make her feel great. Now, if a dad makes noise, that's a different issue. (laughs) You can elbow him. (laughs) I spent 27 years in ministry prior to um, becoming a pastor. Raised a family in those 27 years. With our first child, we started a village church of Barrington. I started in junior high ministry. And in junior high ministry, God gave me this gift of teaching and a gift to shepherd. And I love kids. He gave me this abiding love for youth. It's insatiable. I still wasn't stopped. I can't stop it. In the process, I was noticed They asked me to teach Sunday school. I was teaching Bible studies. They asked me to preach. The pastor spent time with me. Do you know who was at home the whole time? My wife. Do you know that my wife heard? What's it like to be married to Todd? with the expectation, and for the record, she covered for me. (laughs) She could have said, he spends a lot of time caring for other people's kids. He works 50 hours a week at work, and then he spends 20 more at church. But she never said that. And she would leave feeling less valuable. May it never be. Because it's just not true. Then my kids get into youth group. My oldest kid gets into group. You know what what she heard? What's it like to have Todd as your dad? And she could have said, you know, he loses his temper. He's a different guy at home. He rides me if I don't do my homework. And he gets frustrated with me. And he's, he's a dad at youth group. For two hours, the kids would look at me and think, oh, what a nice guy. Bet he wouldn't care if I didn't do my homework. And my job was to make sure that my children and my wife knew that they were valued before God as much or more than I am. When I preach, I don't preach as you're better 
preaches your equal. As we sit under the word of God, and every one of you is as valuable to God as I am, my value isn't diminished. But as I look around at my church family and the ones I can't see online, I love you. I'm excited that we're in a church family together, but I can't tell you how God values you. More than any human's been valued by another human. You matter. Because you matter to God. As Jesus tells this, points this out to us, it's just four verses. What's our application? Well, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't listen to people saying that somehow you're more valuable than somebody else. Don't look for a claim with people. Look for a claim with God. Don't believe that you're valued less if you're poor or you're older or you're struggling or your work is hidden and nobody sees it. Moms, especially in this season, thank God for moms and those of you who are fighting at home for our kids. Praise God for you. Truth is, our home would have been a wreck without my wife. That's the truth. What's it like to have Todd as your husband? Well, it's a whole lot better to have Jeannie as your wife. That's the truth. I hope you don't buy what they're selling out there. I hope you don't listen when people devalue you. I hope you hear this parable. I hope you, not a parable, I hope you hear this story where Jesus reminds us what's most important to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am um, so thankful that you've entrusted to us people of all different ages, of all different situations, and here we are as a family. Father, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and help us to love like you love. Help us to value people the way you do. Help us to encourage. Help us to spur on. Help us to give room for people to serve exactly the way that they're supposed to and not more. Help us to never devalue somebody who's serving you quietly. In Jesus' name, amen.